0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. We're starting, guys. Parshas Picude says, The Anan, the cloud, covered up the Almoid, and the covenant of Hashem, the honor of Hashem, the glory of Hashem, filled up the Mishkan itself. And Pasiklamad He, below Yachol Moshe of all Moshe Rebbe was not able to go into the Almoid, Kishachan of Anan, because of this Anan that was on top of the Mishkan. And once again, the glory of Akadosh Baruch who filled up the Mishkan. Two Sukkim in a row, both end with the exact same words that the glory of Akadosh Baruch Hu filled up the Mishkan. So, Rabbi, Rabbi Yonis and Ibschitz was a very young child. Some say this is Rabbi Naftali, Rabbi Rupshitz. A man came to him and said, young man, I'll give you a certain gold coin if you tell me where Kaddish Baruch Hu is. You tell me where Kaddish Baruch Hu is and I'll pay you money. So he answered back, whoever it was, Rabbi Naftali or Rabbi Yonis and Ibschitz, says, I'll give you two coins if you tell me where Kaddish Baruch Hu isn't. Right? Good line. Kid said that. The man smiled, began to walk away. The kid held out his hand. He said, I just told you where Kaddish Baruch Hu is. <laughs> Kaddish is everywhere and it's all over the place. Of course, Romeno Mikotsk says that they, he asks the exact same question. He says wherever he is let in, that's where a Kaddish Baruch is. A kaddish Baruch is wherever you let him in. Now. When we say here that the covet of Hashem was filling up the Mishkan, that should strike you as being strange. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is everywhere. What do you mean the covet of Hashem filled up the Mishkan as if HaKadosh Baruch Hu was only in the Mishkan and not anywhere else? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is everywhere. This doesn't make any sense. We learned that from Uncle Maishi, We get it from 613 Torah Avenue. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is all over the place. It makes absolutely no sense to say that it filled up the Mishkan as if Hashem isn't everywhere else. So let's explain what this means, what the covet of Hashem is. This Forno and the Rashbam both say the covet of Hashem that appeared above the Mishkan was able to be seen and felt as soon as they had finished all their work. They felt like something was different. It happened immediately. In other words, showing them how Kadosh Baruch Hu had been with them the entire time. It wasn't them on their own. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was with them every single time. What was this glory of Kadosh Baruch Hu exactly? What was the kavod of Hashem? Mori Nebucham, Perak Mem Dalet, says that this was an actual physical glow. There was almost like a glow that you saw as it came from the Mishkan itself that you could see like an aura surrounding the Mishkan and you could see something different about it that everything was there as if Hashem was surely with them. Or if Avram, son of the Rambam adds that this cloud was not like other clouds that could dissipate that we have today, etc. No, it was like a cloud that we don't understand, like a cloud that looked different, looked like it had a glow coming through it as if the cloud was glowing, not the sun coming through the clouds, allowing the clouds to be able to be seen or to reflect the light of the sun. That's not what it was. It was a different type of a cloud that surrounded it. Both of them saying the same thing. It was a literal physical presence that you could see around the Mishkan. You could see something there. Rivari Rav, Kaplan says, based on the Ramban, I did not see this in the Ramban itself. But Rivari Kaplan, the Living Torah, says on, from the Ramban, There was a feeling of holiness that you might feel in a shoal today or at the coastal or something like that. When you go to somewhere holy, you feel this extra bit of kedusha that's there. It was not something that could be seen. It was something that could be felt. Similar to what the Sforna and the Rashbam said. It could be felt. You thought it was something different. The cloud, he said, they say, there was a cloud that surrounded the Olmoid completely. There was a cloud all around you to the point where you couldn't see the entrance. All you knew was the Olmoid was there. Suddenly there was a cloud around it. You knew the Olmoid was there, but you couldn't see anything. Thing. there was no structure that you could see behind it all they saw was a big cloud that was around it and he just knew what was there behind it so that's rev abram son of the rambam and the rambam referring to this glow this physical glow vari kaplan says it was a feeling but a real physical cloud that surrounded the Almoid itself the kliakr says the kovat hashem was not the anan which definitely sounds that way from the ramban it's not the same thing. There were two different things. There was a fire and a bright light that represented the cover of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that appeared above the Mishkan and it was surrounded by a cloud. So almost like a bright light that appeared. A third opinion now, not just a glow and not the cloud surrounding, but an actual light that came through. The cloud was there because without it you would be blinded by the bright light. That light that surrounded the Mishkan, the Shekhinah of HaKadosh Hu, would have been way too bright for anyone to see and they would have been blinded for, and therefore the cloud was there it was like staring into the Sun their eyes would have been blinded it would have been burned out and that would have been impossible once the Mishkan was completed on the eighth day of Nisan then the ore remained inside the Mishkan not outside the Mishkan but inside the Mishkan and the cloud still remained on top of it it was no longer needed to hide the light it was just showing that the light was still around so it was still a cloud It still surrounded it was there so you wouldn't be blinded by it but it wasn't needed after that point because the light wasn't on the outside the light was on the inside. That cloud was the same cloud that allowed them to see, and I'm using the air quotes here, Hakarish Baraku on Sinai. What they saw, the glory of Hu, the bright light that Hu represented that killed them when they first saw it and they heard Enochi and Lo the first two of the SRC Depros, that bright light was blocked right, to, to make sure that they wouldn't be able to see anything so crazy over there. So what was the point? Why would you have this of Shem and the Anan? If that's the idea behind it, and we have these ideas from the Rambam, from the Ramban, and from the Kliyukur, what was the point behind it over here? Why did the Mishkan have to be s- surrounded by this holiness? So simply put, I would have told you, if you would have asked me, I would have said, it's to show that Klai was really special, and to prove them that the Shlina was constantly with them. And that makes a lot of sense, to show them how special they were. But the Shach says, it's like someone who's changed. It's like someone who has a daughter and she's very, very young. So he doesn't mind if she's going places because she's a young kid. Nobody's going to think anything of her. Even if she's a princess, a princess at that age is not going to be taken advantage of and people will not look at her askance. She can be in the shook and nobody thinks anything of it. As the daughter grows older though, the realization hits where I can't just let her go wherever she wants to go. It might not be in my hands to do. But then it becomes, I want to help protect her. I want to do something to make sure that those things don't happen. That's how a Kadesh Baruch Hu felt with Cloud Yisrael. It was as if to say, and the message that was being sent by the cloud is, at first, when you first came into the Midbar, you were all okay. Things were okay. You could see what happened in Mitzrayim. You could see what happened at Kriyas Samzuch. Now there needs to be a little bit of blockage. You're growing up, Cloud Yisrael. You're growing up. You're growing into something different. You need something a little bit more, so to speak, indirect. Somewhere where you have a different type of relationship with that Baruch Hu, with yourselves, so that happens a little bit differently. That's how the Shach does it over there. Every single one of the Rishonim really deals with this idea in a very strange way. Here's the idea that everybody asks. It comes, seems from this Pasuk that Moshe bin was not allowed to enter the Oral Moed, it says, Lo Moshe Oral He wasn't able to come into the Oral Moed, because the Anan was on top of it. Right, the Kodesh Hashem is Mishkan, and the Kodesh Hashem is filled in the Mishkan. But that makes no sense. In Parshas Nasu it says, Moshe el came into Ol Moed. He spoke to Hashem. The voice of God came me bain between the two Kruvins. The Ol Moed, if you'll remember, was the Kodesh and the Kodesh Hakadosh. Kodesh Hakadosh, where the Aron Kodesh was. And the Kodesh where you had the Menorah, the Shulchan, and the Mizbeach HaKtorez. You had all that in the Kodesh, and the Kodesh HaKedoshim. All of that made up the Olamoed itself. If Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't walk in there, and it was impossible to walk in there, number one, we have a Pesach that says straight out Moshe Rabbeinu walked in there. That's number one. Number two, of course Moshe Rabbeinu walked in there, because the Pesach says that he heard the voice of HaKodesh Baruch Hu, Mibain Shnei Kruvim. And number three, didn't the Kohanim have to go into the Kodesh in order to work on the Menorah? put in the lecham upon him and the Mizbech HaKtoris to do the Ktoris? If Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't walk in, how did you expect the Kohanim to walk in? This doesn't make any sense. There's no way that you could do each one of, that, one of these things. Something seems to be wrong over here. So Rashi answers from Torah's Kohanim that when the Anan appeared on top of the Mishkan itself, that's when he wasn't allowed to go in. When the Anan was there, Then he said, oh, I can't go in. The Shechina, so to speak, is at home. And Moshe Rabbeinu would not walk in. When the Anan dissipated, when there was no cloud, then he allowed himself to go in. He walked in at any time, and he was perfectly fine with going inside there. Okay, it is strange. There is another Pusuk that Rashi could have asked from. If you'll remember, on Har Sinai, there was the cloud on top of the mountain where they climbed up the cloud he, Moshe Rabbeinu climbed up on the cloud and entered the cloud to go into Shemayim, Whatever that means, right? And he stayed there for 40 days and 40 nights. He entered into the cloud. I thought we just said that you can't go into the cloud. That shows you the Shekhinah is there. You're not allowed to walk into the Ol because the Anan is there. But in Harsina, he did walk in. So that's another steer that's there. Rashi doesn't ask that. The Marsha gives an answer why, but it's not so important for right now. The Igritakala explains that the reason why Rashi was, un, was, was misunderstanding or didn't understand this pusik fully is because the word key is weird. Look at that second pasuk: Lo yachol Moshe level, Moshe wasn't able to come in. Ki shachan elvanan. It sounds like it's saying because the cloud was there, but that can't be. That can't be. There's no way that could be because we see that Moshe Benu did go in at certain times. So instead he's learning the word key is not because. It's When. The cloud was on top of it. Moshe could not enter the Old Moid when there was a cloud. And the reason why is because when there was a cloud, that means Akadush Baruch Hu was there. You don't walk in at a time when Akadush Baruch Hu was home. That's the idea behind it. So we answer with the word went over here. Ayelah HaShachar, Rev, Rev Shimon, says, How could it be it was allowed to enter the Old Moid as the cloud went away? Do you know what's supposed to happen? What's supposed to happen when the cloud walks away? When the cloud goes away? Anybody know? Mishkan is there, the cloud goes away, right? What happens? That's when they traveled. That's when they went to. They walked. So how in the world most walked into the al Moed when the cloud went away? When the cloud went away, everybody had to move. That doesn't make any sense at all. So the Ayahu Shachar asked that. He says, I have no idea. It must be there were two different types of istalkus Anan, where the Anan went away. But he said, I don't understand it. The Malbim says, no, 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 no. There was always a cloud surrounding the al Moed. But sometimes the Shekhinah was together with it, sometimes it was not. If the cloud entirely moved out, then yeah, they knew they had to move. But if the cloud was directly on top, then they knew the Shekhinah was there. When the cloud was just surrounding it, then they knew it was different. The Malbim says, that's what Rashi means over here. He doesn't mean the cloud goes up and starts moving away, then Moshe Rabbeinu walked in. He means when the cloud lifted itself a little bit, that was a message to Moshe who now you can come inside, that's when you're allowed to enter. Quite often, says the Malbim, the cloud was not on over the entire Mishkan, the cloud was above it, and therefore they were able to walk in quite often. But that's a difference between that. Basada says he doesn't, he doesn't understand the question. When the Anan went away from the Ol and went straight to Kodesh HaKedoshim, that's when he knew he was able to go in. When the Anan moved itself to the Kodesh HaKedoshim, then he said, oh, now I can go inside and I'll go into the Kodesh. But otherwise, it was a little bit different. That's the idea that Berbistada gives. Now, the Ibn Ezra says, the Shekhinah was constantly by the Moed. It was always there. There was no point when it was A According to this Ibn Ezra, Moshe Rabbeinu never walked into the Almoid. Ibn Ezra says he would stand in by the door and he would wait. Aaron was allowed to go in once a year, but Moshe Rabbeinu was allowed to go in only when Hashem asked him to come in. It was almost like he was waiting by the door knocking and then Akadosh Baruch Hu said, yes, you can come in. And that's when he allowed himself to come in. But that's that. But the Ibn Ezra is weird. Because if that's true, then he's learning the Ohel Moed, not as the Kodesh, but the Ohel Moed is referring to the Kodesh HaKadoshim. That's what he's understanding it as. I mean, unless I'm understanding the Ibn Ebenezer wrong, which I don't think I am, because I went over it a couple times, it seems like he's not worried about the Menorah and the Mizbeach HaKtorez and the Shulchan. That's not the Ohel Moed. The Ohel Moed is really the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and the Kodesh seemed to be a normal place where anybody could walk in that's weird because we know the olmoid is something that includes the Kodesh as well I don't know why Ben Ezra says it this way he tries proving it because of something else but yeah it seems that they went to the Kodesh HaKedoshim in order to bring the Ketoros they brought the Ketoros in no, 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 because on Yom Kippur you bring the Torahs and you put it in front of the Badim in front of the Aaron, and that's what they were doing oh, that was it, the Torah Zerah, so there is an opinion that way as well, the Rishonim argue about that, it could be that it's right in front of the Mizbeach itself, but if we understand it that way, then we'll understand the Olmoy to be the entire area, if we learn it's the Kodesh Kedashim, then we understand it like the Ibn Ezra which is still weird, the wording so is so off, is that, but so is that a proof one way or the other? It's not a proof unfortunately, it's not even because the Tanayim can't Rishonim can't argue on Tanayim you know, they wouldn't be going with one or the other or they would quoted it would be a little bit weird the Ramban says basically the same thing as the Ibn Ezra Moshe could not enter the cloud without permission that was not allowed it was never going to happen similar to what happened in Harsina. he was only able to enter once a Baruch called him in but as soon as he got permission you better believe he walked in of course that happened that was able to be over there what kind of permission how do you get permission for something like this there's a Rabbeinu Bechayah that says Hashem didn't call out Moshe Moshe like happened by Shmuel and Avi. Everybody remembers. She called out Shmuel, Shmuel. Even Moshe Moshe by the snare originally. That's not what happened. There was a sign that was given to him that allowed him to see. As we said before, it could be the cloud moved up and went to the Kodesh of Dasha. maybe the cloud did something to show that it was there. That's when he knew he was allowed to enter. Paneach Raza says, something seems wrong here. I don't understand. How could it be that he was entering the Anan? It's really the same question everybody's asking. Aaron worked inside there. How were they supposed to do this rear? He suggests... There was an entirely different Anan. There's the Anan of right now that Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't enter because this Anan was there, and then different clouds came in at a different time. We know there are so many different types of clouds, right? Nimbus, cumulus, cirrus, right? You have all these different types. Of, I forgot the strata type of clouds, whatever, but they're all different types of clouds. Maybe one type of cloud was there right there at this time, and therefore Moshe Rabbeinu said, I can't go inside. But later, there were other clouds there, and there were different types of clouds. Those clouds, he was allowed to enter. So it depended on what type of cloud it was. Says the Penech Raza, that makes the most sense to him. The Alshach says the same thing. He even says, crazily enough, there was a cloud surrounding the base medrash of Moshe Rabbeinu. There was an ohel that was used for Moshe Rabbeinu himself, and there was a cloud surrounding that, which also was really strange. I, 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 you'd have to find something like that, but the funny, that, that's what the Alshach brings down. Rashbam, Chizkuni, Moshe of all the other Balitosas, the netziv as well. See, at first the Shechina appeared over the entire Almoid. Soon afterward, it was Mitzamtsem itself. The word Mitzamtsem means funneled down. Uh, squeezed itself in like at first it was all there contracted itself all the way down like that's what it was where the Shekhinah so to speak allowed itself to be right above the Arun Kodesh Mibben Shnak Huvin when that happened Moshe was allowed to enter the ormoi and ask whatever he wanted he was even able to enter the Kodesh Kodashim. he just couldn't look at the, the Arun Kodesh he was able to go inside and keep his head down and go into the Kodesh Kodashim to speak to a Baruch Hu that would be allowed but it wouldn't have to be so crazy. It seems that the same thing happened in Malachim Aleph as well by Shlomo Melech, when they started the first base of Mikdash that it seems there was a cloud surrounding it as well. Rabbi Alazar Migarmiza and Rabbeinu Ephraim say the word Shachin alav ha'anan Shachin alav anan, the Rashi Tevis is Shin Ayin Hay for Sha. that both these balitosos say that cloud that was there that didn't allow him to go through was the only hour. It was a shah, One hour where the cloud was there and he couldn't enter the almoid. After that, the cloud dissipated and he was allowed to walk inside. But for shah, and that's why it says those words, sha'en alava anan, based on the Gemara and Yuma What were you going to say? They were just seeing a back. Yeah, whatever that means. Right. So, but he wasn't allowed to look at the Aram. So no, because whatever he saw was something that represented what HaKadosh Baruch wanted him to see. And the point of this cloud was to show Moshe, don't look at this. Similar to the sna where he turned his face, you don't look at certain things. And that's the idea over here as well. So even though he asked to see HaKadosh Baruch back, yet he turned away from the sna itself, it's the same thing over here. There are certain things you can, certain things you can't see. Rabbeinu Ephraim also says, if you look at the last letters of Ki shochen Alav HaAnan, Ki it's again, yud nun vav nun, for yinon. So I'll give a dollar to anybody who knows what that refers to. Rabbino Ephraim says, "Vyadua, right? Everybody knows what that means. Does anybody know what that means? Yinon? You know? Strange one, right? It's a gemara in Sanhedrin. One of the names of Mashiach is yinon. It's either menachem or chizkiah. Or what's the other one? It is Shilo, or Yinon, and all the different Amorayim, Tanoim say that's the name, right? Debei Menachem Menchiski said the name of the of, of Mashiach is going to be is going to be uh, uh, Menachem, and those Rabbiani Debei Rabbiani says it's Yinon. And Beychizkiah said it's Chizkiah, right? Each one had their thing. And Debeirav Shilo said it was going to be Shiloh. And by the way, that is where, from that Gemara over there, that's where we get the word Mashiach from. It not only means anointed, it's the Rashi Tevez of the four names of Mashiach that it could be. Menachem, Shilo, Yino, and Chizkia. Does Anybody know that? I mean, that's where we get it from. Mashiach is just the Rashi tables of those four right over there. And that's based on that Gemara over there in Sanhedrin. What it means in the future is that the Shechina and the cloud will be with us constantly. During the times of Yinon, when Mashiach comes into play, then the, the Shechina will always be there. The Anan will always be around. Now it was just there for an hour. It just remained there for an hour and then it went away, the way these Rishodim are saying it. But in the future, it will be there at all times. That's the idea behind it. And the interesting thing is, the Rabbino also brings down, Malay esamishkan the Rashi Tev is his maya. he says even in a base medrash, if you do a hundred brachos a day hundred brachos a day, then the shechina is with you and the cloud surrounds your base medrash that means if you get those down, now if a person davens normally, all day long not on Shabbos, but on a regular day, you'll get 92 brachos in without even trying you don't have to worry about it, 92 brachos are straight without even trying, without doing anything, you get that automatically, Another eight brachos come from, just simply put, you have bread once a day, Well, you'll have almazil zodayim hamotzi, and four brachos of benching. You go to the bathroom twice, you just got your eight bruchos, Right? And aside from all the other brachos that you can make for other foods that you have, that's the easiest thing to do. Make a hundred brachos. Says Rabbi Nofrayim, you're surrounded by the shechina, you're surrounded by this cloud, it's as if everything takes over, it makes everything a lot easier for you. Based on what we said above, the Kliyukra is a little bit of a different idea. The aura itself is a little bit different. The cloud had to be there in order to make sure the aura didn't blind them. But that's not necessary for right now. We can stop with that for right now. Orachim HaKadosh brings down the whole thing about harsini. If anybody wants to look it up, I would suggest it's an awesome Orachim HaKadosh. He goes into what it means over there and how it answers etc., I, I, I'm not going to go into it over here because it's a little bit there. There is a logical question to ask. The logical question is why didn't HaKadosh Baruch Hu bring him into the Ormoed like he did by Harsinai? And Harsinai, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him come in and pull him into the Anan. Why didn't that happen over here by the Mishkan itself? And Rav Schwab says the most amazing thing. You know, we know there was a, a min who went up to Rabbi Akiva and said to Rabbi Akiva, what's greater, the work of man or the work of God? So what would you answer? The work of man or the work of God? You'd think the work of God. That's the obvious answer, right? Rabbi Akiva surprised him and said, "The work of man." The man was surprised. He said, "Why do you say that?" He said, "Because all we do is perfect what a kadosh baruch put in the world." And he said, "And I know what you're asking about. You're asking why we do bris mila. If God created you with an orla," said Rabbi Akiva, "why do you do a bris mila to fix what God did for you?" And the answer is because God makes certain things in order for them to be perfected by man. If you look at the world that we have today, I I don't want to say this with absolute certainty. I read it once, and I'm not so sure it's entirely true. There is no such thing in the world as a perfect square. It doesn't exist in nature. A perfect square does not exist. Even a spherical circle, does not exactly exist in the way that we can make a spherical circle. We, we can do it. We can make something that's entirely round, right? But for something round in nature to be, it's a little bit off, a little bit oval shaped, a little bit there. But that, again, I'm saying that because I read it once. I don't know if it's true. Squares, I know, do not exist in nature. They don't exist. Right angles can exist, but not an entire square. That means that we're able to do something that a cutter sparkle can't, no, of course not. We're able to take what a Baruch Hu did, which he made imperfect, because that's the world we live in, and we can perfect it and make it even better. Says Rav Schwab, the Mishkan is a little bit different from what happened in Harsinai. By Harsinai, it was entirely God doing everything. He allowed the Torah <laughs> to be given. He came down to Harsinai. He gave us the Torah, and therefore it's all from him. By something that comes directly from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, something that comes directly from him to us that he gave everything for, that he's able to pull Moshe Rabbeinu in. He can say, I want you to come inside this. I want you to see more. By the Mishkan, who made the Mishkan? Us. Maisia Daim, says Rav Schwab, is greater than Maisi Hashem. What we do, what we've made, what we've created is greater than what HaKadosh Baruch Hu did. It's greater. And therefore, says Akadosh, says HaKadosh Baruch who couldn't pull Moshe Rabbeinu inside. It was too great. The Shechina, so to speak, that they created in the Mishkan was too strong because our Maizidim are so much better. Isn't that an awesome answer? It's an idea just of your power, what you're able to do. We sometimes forget about that. But what we ourselves are able to do is so much greater than we think we have the potential for. We can do so many unbelievable things. And then comes Moshe. Ramosha Feinstein says the word yachl over here, which the end of the passage says, Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't able to go in, does not mean what you think it means. We think it means he wasn't able to walk in. Simply put, he had no ability to walk inside. But that's not what it means at all. This was a simon, says Ramosha, that he wasn't allowed to enter at that time for any reason. Not that he's not able to. He could have, but he wasn't allowed to. When the cloud was there, he knew he wasn't allowed to be let inside. Difference is, when Moshe Rabbeinu had to enter the cloud in Harsini, well, then he was pulled in, right? When Moshe Rabbeinu had to enter later on to speak to our Kiddush Baruch, that's because he had a reason to go inside. At certain certain times, there's something that he had to do, and certain times that he wasn't able to do it. The lesson behind it, says Moshe, there's a lesson here. He says that we should never allow anything to be a deterrent from us learning Torah. Nothing should be a deterrent. Yes, There are tons of reasons why we can't learn. Yeah, there are tons of things that happen that push us around and don't allow us to do what we need to do. But if you work hard, you can get around each one of those deterrents and things will happen. We said above that Moshe Rabbeinu and Har Sinai was allowed in. There's a machlokis tanoim how he was allowed in. There's a machlokis tanoim. One opinion says, that he literally was pulled in by a Kodesh Baruch A Baruch who took his hand, so to speak, and pulled Moshe Rabbeinu in. That's one opinion. A second opinion is, a path was made. The cloud opened up and a little hole was made and Moshe Rabbeinu was able to go through that path. Says Ramosha. That's exactly what happens to us when we start to do something with Siat HaDishmaiya. When we work hard... Either one thing will happen, one or the other. Either there will be tremendous siyat to the and a Kaddish Baruch will put his hand out, so to speak, and bring you in and take you in himself, or he'll open up a path for you so that you can walk through without anything deterring you. There's a Kitzar aruch that says in the very, very beginning, I think it's in Simanala, says if a person has a hard time waking up, do it three or four mornings, He says. And I guarantee you, you'll get up. You'll get up. He says three or four mornings in a row. In a row. And that's it. The siyata, de the that's there, right, is already there for you. So science is a word for it. Once you start regulating your body to waking up at 6, 630, then your body will always get up at 6, 630. That's the regulating that what you do to yourself is just going to happen automatically. But this isn't Science. This is HaKadosh Baruch Hu Siyat HaDishmaiya. And anybody who's tried this knows you have an internal alarm clock. If you want to wake up at any time, you will wake up at any time. Everyone knows that. The only people that don't know that are teenagers between the ages of 14 and 17. And that's it. No one else knows that. Everybody else knows that, I should say. You have this internal alarm clock. If you need to get up, you get up. One time, one time I had a guy in yeshiva. The guy didn't wake up for anything. Anything. I... I I used to get upset, but like, I Mamish, I felt it was like a nebuch. Like, I felt horrible, right? And finally, I went up to him and I said, listen, I, I need you to get up. He hasn't been to Shacharis in like two and a half months. That really could apply to a lot of people. But he hadn't been to Shacharis in like two and a half months. And finally, I said to him, I'm just like, what's going to be when you have to wake up early to go on a flight? W- what's going to be? How are you going to wake up? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. So Baruch Hashem, there was no taina in Shemayim. Because he had a flight at seven o'clock in the morning. And he slept through his alarm and he missed his flight completely. And I told him, I I, like danced with him, right? He told me, he's like, I missed my flight. I'm like, I am so happy. I'm so happy. Like you're actually an Ones. (laughs) Like, and I apologize for the last couple months. Like I honestly, like I feel like really good about it. So The next time, by the way, that he had to take an early flight, you know what he did? Stayed up all night. night. Very good. (laughs) He stayed up all night and that's it. He stayed up the entire time, but here was the brilliance of that plan. He went to the airport nice and early. Because he was up all night, so he figured, right? Fell asleep in a chair, missed his flight. (laughs) Missed his flight. Unbelievable. But not only that, not only that, the crazy thing about it, you've ever been in an airport? Has anybody here been in an airport before? Chairs are unbelievably comfortable, right? Unbelievably comfortable. The most comfortable chairs in the world. He slept for eight hours in a chair. He woke up seven hours after his flight had left. Seven hours. So I honestly, I, I realized this guy, he had an issue. <laughs> that, was, that was a bit of an issue. That's there. But for everyone else, aside from that one guy, Kishokunaru says it's supposed to work. You get up that. And that's the reason why it says we You have the ability to do it. Our job, our job is to believe it's going to happen. Nachshon Ben-Aminadav went into the Yam knowing there's, listen, we can't go back because the Egyptians are there. We can't go to that side because there's mountains. Can't go to that side because there's wild animals or other mountains. So they're depending on the Medrash. So it's got to be in front of us. There's no other choice. So Nachshon Ben-Aminadav said, I'm walking. And everybody looked at him and said, what are you doing? Except for Sheba Yemen, who jumped in as well. But he walked in and everybody's looking at him like, you're going to drown. And he's like, there's no way Akadosh Baruch is going to let me drown here. There's no way. It just doesn't make any sense. I'm doing this because this is clearly what Akadosh Baruch Hu wants me to do. And it's the same way over here. If the siyat edeshmay is there, he'll pull you in. Here, by nakshon, he made a path. That's what happened by the Kriya Siyam soup. And it's the exact same thing by us, says Rav Moshe, the idea of what we're going to do. Rav Schwab adds on another word, and it's so good. Rav Schwab says, certainly, Moshe bin was able to enter the cloud just like he did by Sinai. He could have entered the cloud in the Olmoid. There's no question he could have parted the cloud and walked inside. Out of honor for Hashem, he refused to go in. Do you walk into your parents' room? Do you walk into your parents' room when the door is closed? You don't walk in. It's just covered. Covered. you knock on the door you ask them for something you don't walk inside you do that by anybody you should do that by your fr- a friend by a roommate by a child you knock on the door before you barge in it makes sense to do such a thing based on a medjah you walk in only after asking to go in so Moshe of could have walked in but he didn't he saw the all was on top and that stopped him from going inside so what does Veloya yachol mean what do you mean he's not able to go in? Moshev could go in at any time. He could have walked into the cloud at any time. What do you mean below Yachol Moshe Levol He He wasn't able to come inside? And it's obvious, says Roshwab. Isn't it obvious? If you get so used to doing something with Derek Eretz and it becomes almost impossible to do something otherwise. You just can't do it otherwise. It's the same idea that Moshe just said. If you're getting up every single day at 6.30, 6.30, 6.30, you're going to get up every single day at 6.30, whether you mean to or not, it's just going to happen. What happened is Moshe was filled with anivos, filled with humility, and he was so filled with humility, showing honor to everyone he met, even though there were nothing in comparison to him. He showed them so much honor, it became like something that's a part of him. So when the kavod surrounded the olamoy, he couldn't walk in. What do you mean he couldn't? Of course he could. He could just walk inside. No, he couldn't. He literally couldn't. Ramosha, Ramosha Feinstein was once at the Aguda Convention. One of these Aguda Convention stories, you know, when, when they had him in America. And he's walking inside and there was a guy, It's David Marv in the hallway right outside of where they were, they were all sitting down. And there was a guy who had started his Shimon Esri right before the open doors. He was standing like this and the open doors were right here and people were walking inside and he was standing right there. Ramosha was one of the first speakers, obviously and he was waiting, waiting for the guy to finish Shimon Ashtore. And the Talmidim told him, like, Rebbe, you got to go inside. And Ramosha said, I can't, there's a wall. Look, Of course you can, but he couldn't. Lo Yachol Moshe, literally over here, he wasn't able to walk inside because he got himself so used to it, it's not there. Then he goes on, he says, that's the same idea that we say by a brisk. Sheshen shenechel z'brisk, k'in the by Bris, brisk. Was anybody here conscious for that? If you. <laughs> We don't know anything. We went into it not thinking, not doing anything. We just automatically put ourselves in. We should... Well, well, yeah, what our parents did. And even then, by the way, it's like what our parents put us through. Like parents are doing this automatically knowing that this has to be done. I don't, I, it, it, it's it's really difficult bringing a kid into the brisk. It's not like you're sitting like, cut him, cut him good. <laughs> it's like not what you say when a brisk meal happens. You're like sitting there like, oh my gosh, it's an eight-day-old baby. Calm down. You know, that's way too much blood for an eight-day-old baby. That's crazy. That's what you're thinking. But the idea is, it's just like that. The same way that we're doing a bristle Shem Shemayim, because no one is sadistic and masochistic enough to be able to put a, a baby on the, 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 the cutting board and say, like, here, do what you need. Right? We wouldn't do that. We're doing this purely Shem Shemayim. So too, everything the baby does in the future should be without any pneus. It should be done purely Shem Shemayim itself. That's the idea behind it. To end, we I, I really, I, there's, there's a couple other things over here, but there's, there's some others. There's a Miam over here here as well, the chsam Sofer seems to argue, it's a really weird chsam Sofer that argues on what this idea over here of when it happened and how it happened, etc., but the wording was really different. As I said before, the wording of the kvod hashem is a mishkan, the honor of God filled with mishkan, ends pasuk lamed and lamed hey, it's the same words, why do you have to say it twice? So the Paneach Raza said the reason why it says it this way is to show chashivus in the shechina. As if to say that nothing could hold God's glory. Nothing could really hold it. So, really, Kvod Hashem Mali, as a Mishkan. Not the Mishkan was Maleh with Kavadashem, Hashem, but the Kvod Hashem was Malay as a Mishkan. It was also in the Mishkan, as if to say it that way. But, particularly, Rabbasi sort of gives like a muscle to understand it. It's sort of like when you have an ocean, and right by the ocean there's a cave. When the ocean overflows, when the tide comes in and it fills up the cave, it's not like the ocean is missing any water. It just adds to the point where it's able to fill up the cave as well. So too, the Kavad of HaShem is throughout the whole world. At times, it's Mali as a Mishkan as well. It fills the Mishkan as well. That's the idea of understand it. But the re- repetition, why the repetition? So the Ramban says a very cryptic line, a very cryptic line. He says, it hints to the Shechina being Bikir Bo. Now, Bikir Bo, I don't know what the Ramban means by that. The Ramban could mean that the Shekhinah is always within us. That it's within every person. So, Kavad Hashem Malayi's Mishkan, Kavad Hashem Mishkan, we are like a Mishkan ourselves, and therefore, just like the Kavad Hashem filled up the Mishkan, the Kavad Hashem filled up us. But it could just be referring to the Mishkan itself, which is really, really strange. Really strange. And I'm not positive I fully understand what he means. He's, he's saying it like as a one-liner. As if like, yeah, the Kavdush HaMalase Mishkan is said a second time because it's filled Bikir Bo. I'm not positive I fully understand it. I, I think the shot is within every person. There's a Maharil over here as well with a Hasidish take on this, which is a little bit long and too much to go to over here. But the Tsura Amor, which I just bought when I was in Eretz Yisrael, I was looking for it for a long time, like the newer print, and I, I just found it, says this hints to this world and Olam Haba. The Shekhinah fills up this world's Mishkan and olam haba's mishkan, whatever that refers to, it refers to that as well. The covenant of Hashem is everywhere at all times, and it's connecting the two. It's so that Olam Hazna is connected to Olam Haba in some way, which is an awesome, awesome idea over here. It shows you the greatness of Klai and it's such an amazing idea that we have this greatness, this true greatness that not only is the Kedusha with us, not only is the Kedusha around us at all times, we have so much more to us. There's so much more to us. But I think the best lesson is by far that Ramosha. I think that Ramosha is by far the strongest lesson that we can learn from it. We should take that, everybody. We should allow ourselves to realize our greatness and what we have and how much power we have and use that in the best possible way. Have a great Shabbos.